0: welcome to our 1030 service. And again, in two weeks, it'll be a little bit different than that. So glad to have you with us. And I want to welcome those who are joining us online as well. I'm reminded. Uh, this morning, from a conversation from one of the families that came today uh, they 're from Colorado. They are ha- taking their daughter back to uh, Sterling for her sophomore year, and they were saying, "You know, we enjoy watching your services online, but they 're a little different. We see mountains and rivers and streams online, and so it 's kind of false advertising because we don 't have rivers and mountains and streams here, and so uh, we get to see a little bit different things online, but uh, we do want to welcome those of you that are joining us online. So good to have you with us, man." I I just there 's before the message day I just have to share there 's a lot of good things happening and uh, God has done some great things it's been a great week it's been a great Uh, Weekend, Thank you uh, yesterday uh, for Convoy of Hope. It wasn't just our church. It was a community of churches coming together. Our part in that was the backpacks and Wednesday night. You should have seen Wednesday night uh, from young to old, kids putting backpacks on, adults filling up all of those, over 2,000. We think there might have been closer to 3,000 or maybe more than that and backpacks that you helped fill. And so thank you for all your efforts. And then yesterday, um, car after car after car after car, and some of you stayed all the way till one o'clock, um, but we just passed out so many backpacks, and then other churches passed out snow cones and groceries and milk, and uh, it was just a great day for the community of Hutchison and Reno County for us to come together and love on our schools. And then there's extra that, the backpacks that were left over that we're going to get in the hands of some of our other schools, McCandless, Nickerson and uh, Morgan and other uh, elements. So they'll all be utilized and used, but I want to thank you uh, for being a great church. And uh, Pastor Nate uh, organized all that. I just appreciate all the organization that went into the take, making that take place as well. Um, great effort. Um, we have so many great people in our church. Um, we had a great weekend as, at the district assembly and our own Kelly Love uh, leads our, all of our churches, 60, 70 churches on our district in, our, in organizing our missions and letting people know the great works that we're doing in over 160 world areas. And uh, you give 55,000 this last year towards world areas that we can see the gospel advance, not just here in Reno County, but elsewhere. But man, she did a, such a great job Friday morning. I'm so proud that she is from our church. She's so organized, communicates well, and she just represents not. Not only our district well, but she represents our church well. And then that night, um, a couple weeks ago, we celebrated Pastor Brandon uh, being ordained on the Kentucky district. And we make all the Kentucky jokes. We won't do that today. Uh, but Pastor Aaron and Pastor Dustin uh, on the Friday night had their ordination. I thought I'd show you a miracle today. Three of us all at once in suits. And uh, so uh, it was a great evening and a great... Yeah. <laughs> I hope that's a clap for them and not for the suits. Um, anyway, uh, the, it was a great night as uh, the church uh, recognized the calling of God on their life and a lot of hard work that went into that. And actually, I want uh, Pastor Dustin to come back up here and Pastor Aaron, if they would, just a moment. We gave uh, Pastor Brandon a nice little gift from our church just to congratulate them on that. And it would be wrong for us to do that. Yes, Pastor Aaron, is he upstairs with the middle schoolers? So normally I'd say we'd do this in our second service. Um, Man, I messed up on that one. I should have communicated better to him. So anyway, that's Pastor Aaron. This is Pastor Brandon. I'm going to give you both Pastor Dustin and – no, what did I say? This is Pastor Dustin. This is Pastor Aaron. What did I say? Brandon. I said that was Brandon. This is Pastor Pastor, uh, Dustin. This is Aaron. (laughs) That's me in the middle. I know that one. So – Anyway, if if you would, I feel bad about this because uh, actually, Pastor Aaron's parents are here, and they're probably up in the middle school too. Yeah, go grab them because it's going to take me a little bit. We'll give this a minute. He's going to go grab them. We just kind of go on the fly here, around here, so uh, let me just share why he's doing that. Let me shuck a couple things more before the message. Uh, it's so nice to be able to watch online and see God moving in our church. Uh, and in the last few weeks, uh, our family is so blessed as we watched Pastor Dustin and Pastor Nate uh, preach. And they did such a great job communicating God's word. And, and I, I'm, uh, two things that stand out to me, do you want to get well? I, I remember that from Pastor Dustin's last week, uh, Pastor Nate, and saying move. Um, two great messages, and I'm going to share with something with you that I already shared with Nate. So I'm not, this is meant to be as a compliment, um, But Pastor Nate, when he came here five and a half years ago, uh, when he got up here, and I shared this with him, when he got up here, I was nervous because he was nervous, and probably made the rest of us nervous. And he did such an outstanding job of delivering a message with confidence. He's just growing here. And really, I I wanna thank you as a church for being a kind of church that lets your pastors grow and develop. That includes me. Thank you for letting us grow and develop and, and, and get better and stronger. And he just, i was so proud of the great message that he presented last week. And I also wanna say it's good to have Aaron's parents here, uh, 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 Tracy and uh, um, he's Daryl, he's, he's my, this is really embarrassing. Daryl's a good friend of mine, by the way. Uh, but would you just stand so I, we can recognize you. We're so glad that you're with us today. They are our pastors of our Springdale Church in Cincinnati, Ohio, one of our lar- 20th largest churches in the United States, of the Nazarene churches. And we're, so we're glad they're with us today. And uh, Daryl is a good friend, and I apologize. I forget my own kid's name sometimes, so I just want you to know that. But uh, we're so pr- I'm so proud of Aaron and Dustin, our whole team. But really, there's a lot of work that goes into the calling that God places on young men and women's lives. And uh, so we didn't want to miss the opportunity to acknowledge... Uh, your efforts and we recognize we're just affirming what God's already called you to this is not our calling this is God's calling but the church affirms the gifts and graces that he's given you we're so blessed to have these guys on staff and so thank you for running and getting Aaron we just want to give you a little something that you can buy some clothes or something for the the new girlfriend or whatever so whatever you want to do so (laughs) okay all right thank you Thank you for being a church that allows us to grow and develop. And speaking of that... Um, we got to see Pastor Josh and Stacy in their new church in Pensacola. And it was just awesome to see how God's working in their lives. And you can be proud of that too. You have an imprint on their lives. They spent six years of their lives here, and you've had influence on them. And they said, Tell everyone that loves us hello. And that's basically everybody here. And so, um, anyway, so good. God is doing great things in their ministry, and you're a part of that. And I'm thankful for that. And then so many other things going on. Pastor Brandon, whose pitcher was not up there, was not Dustin, just got back late last night with our teens from their Kentucky mission trip. And uh, before that, he was home for six hours of sleep uh, before they went on that Kentucky mission trip because before that was a conference with the youth. So two straight weeks Uh, So uh, maybe I just told him, don't even come in this week. Well, he's going to come in, but don't come in tomorrow. I don't want to see him, but thankful for the great things. And finally, just a couple more things. I keep saying that. We're going to get to the message here today, and we'll be okay. Uh, But the other thing I would say is, uh, uh, Pastor Christy, I just appreciate all the work that she's done, this um, umpteen camps that she's done. Uh, But we're seeing fruit. You're seeing that in baptisms of of our young people. But uh, last week we had a family visit for the very first time, and she came up. Actually, it was a grandmother and her granddaughter, or grandson, I think it was. And I have permission to share this just so I'm not sharing the names. But she let Christy know, hey, we've been looking for a lot of churches because my grandson has had this burning desire to find a church. He wants to go to church, and so I've been wanting to help him find a church, and so we've been going to church, and we've looked at a lot of churches, and Christy goes, we just haven't found the, the right one for us or the right experience. Wasn't speaking bad of others, but it was just, we're just we're struggling here, and so Christy said, great, I'm feeling all this pressure, but she said, I sent a text out to him Monday, and I just said, um, hey, I hope you had a good experience. How was it for you? And this is word for word her text, leaving out the name. Christy, my grandson loved it so much. We've been searching for a long time. He said on the way home, Grandma, I think we found our forever church. And I told him, I think we have. Isn't that awesome? Thank you for being a welcoming church, and I'm so glad that you're you're part of that. And I think I say the best news for last. I come home from vacation, and sometimes... Pastor Daryl, you know these things, you come home to bad news and it's not fun. And certainly I um, mourn the loss of our oldest member, Bob Cottle, um, 98 years old. But I'm so grateful that Dr. Glover was here and able to step up and, and do a great job for the service. But I came home to some great news. Um, you don't have to be here, this can be your first Sunday. I'll just tell you, Paul Mendoza is a big part of our church. He's been here for a long, 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 long time. And about six months or so ago, he was diagnosed with stage four cancer. And uh, it's been a real struggle just to try to get him chemo and radiation because he keeps getting infections that keep him from being able to get that treatment. I come home to this and I talked to him this week on the phone. I've had permission to share this news. Went into the doctor about a week ago and the doctor said, I don't uh, know. We're going to monitor this. We keep an eye on this. But as of now, I see no measurable sign of cancer. We're not gonna do chemo or radiation. So we praise God. We, we praise God for good news and we give God all the glory for that. And so they just, they, it's been a hard six months. They went camping this weekend and so we're so glad for Paul and Beverly and we just celebrate that good news. I wanted to share a lot of good news with you today. Uh, because we're going to talk about hell now. <laughs> and so I thought, let's, let's hit them with a bunch of good news. And before we kind of hit them with everyone's favorite subject. And so um, we're talking about this. And as I thought about how we're going to approach this subject, I thought about what is kind and what is cruel. Are you being a friend to me if I'm out in the lobby with you? And if you see me with some spinach in my teeth, which is probably not accurate, probably more like chocolate donut or something. But if you see something in my teeth, are you being kind or cruel to walk away from me and not tell me that something was in my teeth? Are you being kind or cruel if I have a bat in the cave to tell me that you got a little hanger there, you need to, you know, get a Kleenex? Are you being kind or cruel to tell me that or not? If I walk out of the restroom and there's some toilet paper hanging from my backside, are you being kind or cruel to tell me that is my, my position? I think you're, it's not kind to not tell someone when there's something, they're going to have a lot of other conversations and you can spare them a lot. And I would say in the same way, I don't think it's kind for me not to talk about this subject. so the subjects. The title of the message today is Hell, Is It Kind or Is It Cruel? because the Bible talks about this. Uh, Jesus talked about it. We're gonna look at a few of the words that Jesus said about this subject. Um, And maybe I should talk about this more, but certainly I don't think that for me to never talk about this subject that I am being a good pastor or a kind pastor to you. And so how are we gonna approach this? How are we gonna do this today? Well, I thought about Samantha more. You probably don't know her, but she's Dusty and John and Moore's daughter. I just had the privilege in June of marrying her in Kansas City. And that's them and her, her dad, and that's Dusty and Samantha and the father-daughter dance. And it was a beautiful moment. But they told, we told some stories about their childhood. And when Samantha was growing up and she was a little girl, like many kids, they, they don't always want to eat. And uh, so uh, they decided that they were going to set a 10-minute timer... And I told Dusty, I said, it's okay for me to tell this story because we're past the statute of limitations, and so it's okay to do this. And they set a timer and said, you eat your dinner, or if if you don't eat in the next 10 minutes, then you're going to get a spanking. It's your choice. This little girl, she was quiet for several minutes and was just looking down at her plate, and Finally, she just looked up and they said she was always kind and always polite, even when she was in trouble and she just looked up at her, at her mom and her dad, and she said, "I believe I'll have that spanking, please." <laughs> we're going to have the spanking first today we're gonna get that, we're going to get that out of the way, and i'm reminded I know that uh, I think of my My growing up, we had the belt a few times. And again, my dad, you're safe. It's past the statute of limitations. But um, you remember the two things that were said, whether you did this or whether you received this, this hurts me more than it hurts you. And you're thinking, well, let me have a crack at it then, okay? (laughs) Or the second thing is, is when the parent comes back in and says, I did this because I love you. And I believe that God's word for us is a letter of love. And He shares this with us because He loves us. And so that's where we're going with this today. I want to share first the words of Jesus uh, taken from the biographies of Jesus. You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Two of these accounts, uh, Matthew and John, were one of the, uh, the 12 disciples. Uh, of course, you have Mark and, and Luke. Mark was very much right at, you know, Peter and John and, and, and the apostle Paul side. I mean, he had close relationship there. And of course the physician, Dr. Lucro as well. So I'm just going to share just a few words from the very words of Jesus, what he said about hell. We don't have time to share everything, but Matthew 529, Jesus said, if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. I don't think this is meant literally, um, uh, it's, it's, hey, let's take sin seriously because sin has consequences. Gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. In the same way, in Mark nine forty three he says, if your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than to have two hands and go into hell where the fire never goes out. And then Luke said, I tell you, my friends, Jesus said, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that can do no more, but I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him after your body has been killed, has the authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Have an awe and respect for him. I had an awe and respect for my father, my dad. I knew that he loved me, but there was a healthy fear, a healthy respect, a healthy awe of him. Now, the Gospel of John, now Pastor Blank could uh, maybe correct me afterwards, or Pastor Walton or someone could come up and correct me afterwards. I could not find, others. there's references to judgment and those things, but I could not find specifically the word hell in the book of John. The Gospel of John does not specifically mention hell, and and hell is not the most dominant theme in Scripture. Uh, This is just one study that was done of the different words throughout Scripture. Heaven. Uh, Heaven was mentioned 644 times according to this study. Father, 944. Evil, 657. The law, 599 times. The soul, 496. Death, 456. Judgment, 344. Kingdom, the kingdom of God, 384. Sin, 441. But the subject of hell in the King James Version, 54 times. In other translations, as little as 14. So it's not a dominant subject of the scriptures. It's not the most dominant theme. But, in the, uh, but I think we would be unwise not to pay attention to it. Uh, punishment was not the dominant theme of my home. Love was the dominant theme of my home. But I would have been unwise to not be aware that my dad could punish me or hold me accountable. To ignore the possible consequences could be costly. Matthew 3.12 says, his or God's winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear the threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn, wheat was the good, and burning up the chaff or or the weeds with unquenchable fire. Uh, An indication that it's not gonna go out, that it's eternal, that it's not gonna go away, that it's unquenchable. So let's ask the question maybe first this morning, what is hell? What exactly is hell? Hell is an English word that comes from um, the Hebrew and the Greek, three word, uh, four words in the Hebrew and the Greek. Much like the word love is an English word that comes from three words. In the Greek language, we know like for the instance, love, we have the the three words that that's derived from, the word eros, which is a sexual love or desire, and that's where we get the the word erotic, Uh, phileo a brotherly love, the city of, a city of brotherly love, Philadelphia, that's where, we, where that is derived from, that, that love, and the highest of love, agape love, which is a, a godly love or a godlike love. It's the most pure of love, but it, we just translate it in our English Bible and our English scriptures. These It's just love, and in the same way, hell has four different words that is broken down in the scripture. It's the words Sheol, Hades, Gehenna, and Tartarus, if I said that one right or if I said any of them right. But, but Sheol was, simply meant grave or pit. Uh, Hades meant the grave. Gehenna, we're going to spend more time here. Gehenna was a valley of Hanam, or the valley right outside of Jerusalem. And then the last Tartarus is the eternal judgment Today, most of the translations that we are going to talk about, because most of the translations in the scripture is that third word, it's the word Gehenna. What is Gehenna? Well, it's literally a location outside of Jerusalem. It's a place that you could go visit today, outside the city walls, and I know it doesn't look exactly this way today, there was this valley of Gehenna, and it looks very nice and pleasant, but... In its day, back 2,000 years ago, when Jesus referred to Gehenna, it looked more of something like this. It was burning. It was a fire that was burning the dump and the trash and, and even deceased bodies. And there was child sacrifices that took place in there. I mean, it represented all sorts of evil and pagan worship. And it was, I mean, Gehenna was not a place that, you wanted to you wanted to be. And that's what the picture that Jesus was describing of Gehenna, that it's a place where there's filth and it's a place that it burned outside of the gates of the city of Jerusalem. Now, in full disclosure today, there are a few scholars, not the majority of scholars, not my persuasion. I don't believe uh, Pastor Blank's persuasion today here as well. But it, there are a few scholars that believe that Gehenna was used to describe just that physical place at that time, that Jesus was using it more metaphorically, that it was a place to describe something figuratively, not a literal place of judgment. Symbolic that sin invites hell into our lives here on earth. And while I don't buy, and I'm going to tell you why in a minute, but why I don't buy into this, there are parts of this that I can find agreement with because sin does invite hell on earth into our lives. And the deeper we go into it, the more hell the, of a life that we live. And I, I know people that are, that are living a life of hell on earth. Uh, drugs and alcohol addiction and sexual addiction and things have just destroyed their lives and they're living a life of hell on earth. There's, there's those that, um, you know, the other things that have taken, I, I think of those that have gotten so lost in bitterness and resentment that has destroyed their lives. And it's destroying relationships. I I can't see the elements of that. Sin does invite hell hell on earth into our lives. The consequences of sin are devastating. And I think it's a reminder to us that our words and our actions have consequences for this life. In other words, words invite life. And words invite death into our life. Words have the ability to bring life and they also have the ability to bring destruction into our lives. James 3, 6, the tongue is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself is set on the fire by hell, which the word there translated is Gehenna. Our tongue can produce a trash heap, a dump for our life. And it's, in essence, in, for to some extent for all of us at times, our tongue has created hell for us in, in our relationships and not what God wants for us. Our, it can create a dump and a trash heap. But where I depart from this doctrine that is known really as annihilationism, which simply means that those who die apart from God will cease to exist, that there's only heaven, there's no hell, that either heaven is going to be our home or there's going to be no existence, I believe without repentance that the scriptures point to a more devastating result. I would like to, I would like to buy into that theory or thought. It's more palatable. It's easier to digest. It's easier for me to stomach. But I, I believe that the scripture speaks to a real hell to avoid, And it gives me a little comfort even if this persuasion is correct. Last Monday, uh, July 26th, was the one year anniversary of. Uh, uh, death of a family member. And our dogs become our family. And that was Nellie. And she was she was the perfect dog. She had 10 years of our life. And if there's dogs and animals in heaven, I guarantee you Nellie's there. No animal deserves to be there if Nellie's not there. I, I, I just think, I, I, I don't know though, that there's enough scripture to support that that I know for certain. I think there's more scripture, certainly to support what ours. I do think there's gonna be animals and those things in heaven. And I hope, I hope um, we have another dog that's come into our life and her name's Molly. We're trying to keep her out of hell, actually. Um, <laughs> love that dog, but uh, she's just not as well behaved as the other, but she's got time, she's got time. But I'm just talking about dogs here. I can't imagine Reagan or Riley or Heather just not existing. I can't imagine no existence. Scripture points to me to a real hell that is forever. Just a few of the words of Jesus today, not even the Apostle Paul or Peter. Jesus said it's unquenchable fire. That seems to in point, point to forever, that it's a weeping and gnashing of teeth, that there's a physical reaction, that there is something that is not going to be beyond unpleasant. Jesus said, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you snakes, you brood of vipers. How will you escape being condemned to hell? There's going to be a judgment. There's going to be a time. Depart from me, he says, you who are cursed. Into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And then the last scripture I'll use today is then they, meaning the, those who are um, evil or those, the wicked, uh, they will go away to eternal punishment. And I know anytime we speak on this subject, I know someone's thinking it in this room, probably more than one person's thinking it in this room. Then, but how could a loving God send anyone to hell? A little pushback just to start. I think there's some of us, or maybe more. I don't know, but I think there's some who really don't want that. There's an essence that do we really not want a hell of any kind? If we're honest, there's a desire and a within us for a punishment for the the Saddam Husseins, the Mussolini's, the the Hitlers. There's an element of going, that would be, there, there needs to be some justice, or, or those who mercilessly tortured innocent victims, or those who without repentance, without repentance, sex trafficked young children. I mean, there's an element within a little bit of us that we don't want wicked, uh, just uh, atrocious, to be a part of God's heaven. So there's this concept of hell that we can tolerate, But what about us? It's easy to look at it maybe for those others that we might call monsters or whatever, but we've mistakenly compare ourselves to the wrong thing. We compare ourselves to the Hitlers of the world and to those who do worse things than us, rather than a righteous, holy God who is perfect in any way, in every way. But still, how can a loving God send anyone to hell? I think we have to look at the appeal of God's heart. And I think we get a picture of God's heart and his appeal when he's talking to uh, his chosen children. He said in Ezekiel eighteen thirty, he says, Therefore, you Israelites, I will judge each of you according to your own ways, declares the sovereign Lord. Repent. Turn away from all your offenses, then sin will not be your downfall. Friends, I don't think sin has to be our downfall. I think there's an indication here that it can be our downfall. If we don't repent, if we don't deal with it, it's going to be our downfall. But sin does not have to be our downfall. Rid yourselves of all offenses you have committed and get a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, people of Israel? I think think this is God saying this doesn't have to be this way. Why would you choose this way? It doesn't have to turn out this way. Why will you die? Why will you choose this path, people of Israel? For I take no pleasure in the death of anyone. The King James Version even says, I take no, death in the, the, in the, I don't, no pleasure in the death of the wicked. God doesn't take pleasure in the death of any of his creation, he declares the sovereign Lord, repent and live Repent and live. I believe there's appeal by God to us. It doesn't have to be this way. It's not my desire for it to be this way. Repent and live. Choose differently. I believe hell is a real physical place. But I believe what makes heaven and hell, heaven and hell, is God. Or the absence thereof. Kingdom, the kingdom of heaven is a relationship with God. It's, there's a heaven that's here on earth. There is a heaven that begins here on earth. And there's a hell that begins here on earth. Heaven is more than a house. I was thinking about, you know, my family. And, um, you know, the girls are going back to school in a little bit. I'm glad that Heather's there. But I was thinking it's just a house without them. It's just an address. They are what makes it a home for me. Without them it's just a house. Heaven even more so. Heaven is more than a house. It's a home where God dwells. And where God doesn't dwell is just the opposite, it's hell. Rebecca McLaughlin uh, wrote from the book Confronting Christianity. She says if Jesus is the bread of life, loss of Jesus means starving. If Jesus is the light of the world, loss of Jesus means darkness. If Jesus is the good shepherd, loss of Jesus means wandering alone and lost. If Jesus is the resurrection and the life, loss of Jesus is eternal death. And if Jesus is the Lamb of God, sacrifice for our sins, loss of Jesus means paying the price for ourselves. Still how? The question, how can a loving God send anyone to hell. She went on to write in this book about a story, a classic Russian novel, Eugene Onigen. A jaded aristocrat, uh, Onigen, meets an innocent young girl in the countryside. Uh, this, will, this girl, her name is Tatiana. And Tatiana, the, not an aristocrat, just a, a, a young girl in the countryside, writes him a letter offering her, him her love, Uh, offering that she will love him. And Onigen doesn't reply to that letter, but they see each other later. And when they meet again, he turns her down. He says, thank you, your letter is very touching, but I just find that being married to you will become boring. And I I refuse your offer. Years later, Onigen enters St. Petersburg uh, in a party and he sees this stunningly beautiful woman It's Tatiana, but she is now married. Onigen falls in love with her at this moment, but it's too late. He tries desperately to win her back, but Tatiana refuses him. Once the door was open for him and the invitation was there and and there was, you know, I I wanna have this relationship with you, but now the, the offer was not on the table and it was too late and now that door was shut. How like that is, she goes on to say, is it for many of us who reject Jesus now? Like Tatiana's letter to Onigen, Jesus' offer is touching. But some just feel that it'll cramp their style and it'll be boring and not, what they, not the best of what they had hoped for. They, didn't want, they don't want to have that kind of a commitment. We worry that That might cramp our style. So we move on with life and in essence on to a spiritual uh, countryside. One day the Bible warns we will see Jesus in all of his glory. Our eyes painfully open to his majesty, to his awesomeness, to his beauty. When we will see him face to face and see him in all of his glory. And in that moment if we have not committed beforehand it's like the story of Onigen and Tatiana, it's going to be too late. The Bible warns it's going to be too late. We, we know in that moment that all of our greatest adventures were nothing compared with him, and we'll regret that decision. But it won't be unfair. It won't be any more unfair than Tatiana's rejection of Onigen. If we accept Jesus now, We will live forever. We will live in his glory. We will live in his beauty. We will experience his glorious presence for eternity. But if we reject him thinking that life is somehow going to be better and we have more, that that we have a better life picked out for us, we're going to live to regret it. And it won't be unfair. I don't believe that God sends anybody to hell. I believe we send ourselves there. When we reject his infinite love and his mercy and his grace. He's not willing that any should perish. He's not willing that any should die apart from him. He he is wanting us to repent and live. He's wanting us to have life. He has come that we may have life to the full. And and sometimes I I just, I've been thinking about this a little bit, and I wonder how when people say, "I, I just, I can't serve a God that would send anyone to hell. And I think that is such an arrogant statement. I believe there's such an arrogance in that statement to think that in essence, we can choose to be God. (laughs) Who are we to tell God how to be God? It's no God if we can tell him how to be who he is. God is God. So he gets to decide. He gets to, he, he puts things in place, but we don't have a God that finds pleasure in the death of the wicked. He's not willing that any should perish. He wants everyone to experience his life and the love that he has. And I believe that's why we're still here. I believe going back to Adam and Eve when they were in the garden and he said, don't eat of this fruit or you will surely die. But then they ate of it and they didn't die right away. Why? Because I believe the next part of the scripture, 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slow in keeping his as Some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. I think from the time of Adam and Eve on, God put his plan in place because he's like, I got a problem. I said that I'm a God of justice and mercy, and I, I have to enact my justice, and I can't be around sin, and I can't be tainted by it. But I got a problem. I love these sinners, I love these people. They're my children, they're my kids. I don't want to be eternally separated from them. They, they were made in my image. I created them, and, and they're special, and, but they blew it, and they, they made a decision. I told them, I warned them, i got to make a plan. i got to make this right, and God set a plan into motion because he loves us so much. He sent his perfect and only son, Jesus, to die in our place to take the punishment that we deserve. That's not a God that's hateful, That's not a God that's wishing ill for us, but that is a God that is long-suffering. That is a God that wants us, that desires us, that wants to have a relationship with us. We have a good God. We have a merciful God. He's not wanting us to spend eternity apart from him. I do believe the scripture, whether we like it or not, there's things, honestly, if I'm honest with you today, there's things in here that I don't like. There's even things in here that I don't agree with. But I have to decide, am I going to come in alignment with God? Or am I going to try and make God come in alignment with me? And it's not going to work that way. We have to decide if we're going to let him be the Lord of our life and give him authority. Or are we going to be the Lord of our life and take authority? Would you pray with me today? Father God. Would you take the words that have been shared today to draw men, women, and children to you? Would you give us a clear picture of who you are? That you're a God of infinite mercy and grace and love. You're also a God of justice. Sometimes we don't like this. Maybe we may not even agree and we we might do things differently, but I think the first thing is we have to admit is you're God, we're not. Repenting is agreeing that you're God and we're not God. Repenting is coming under your authority and and turning from our ways and turning towards you. And, And when we repent, we find life. We find life to the full and the enemy tries to feed us this lies that the like onogen that, that, that will somehow be sold short that, that will miss out on the fun and the joys and it's such a lie of deception God you have come that we may have life and life to the full and you love all your children you're not w- willing that any should perish but all should come to repentance all should know you all should spend eternity with you but in love you give us a choice the choice is ours Lord, we don't have to get that spanking. We can choose to accept and receive your love and forgiveness into our lives. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning, no one looking around, but today, God has spoken to your heart. You, you, you realize right now in this moment that he loves you, that he forgives, that he wants to forgive you, but up to this point, maybe you have not chosen him Today's the day of salvation. Today's the day that you get the opportunity to choose and receive a God who loves you, that wants to have a relationship with you, that's crazy about you. If that's you today. Your eyes bowed, your, eyes, your, your head bowed, your eyes closed, and you may be online as well too. You just raise your hand. I'm not going to call you out and embarrass you, but you just raise your hand today and say, I, I want Jesus in my heart and my life. I want to live for him. I want to receive him as my Lord and Savior. Thank you. I see you. There's some clear in the back. That's okay. Thank you. Father God, and just, I encourage you to pray this prayer. It doesn't matter what you say. It's the heart in which you say it. The thief on the cross said, Jesus, remember me. Jesus knew what he meant. Lord Jesus, thank you for taking my place. Thank you for dying on a cross for my sins. Thank you that, You paid the punishment that I deserved. Thank you that you loved me enough to do this. And today, I choose to receive you as my Lord and my Savior. And I I want you to teach me how how to walk with you in the love that you have for me and help me to share your love with others. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. Thank you for this relationship that you've given me. And if you prayed that prayer today, whether here in this service or online, the one who earnestly seeks him god will in no way turn away from him father we thank you for your love for each of us today lord i was once arrogant i once thought that i knew best how to live my life and i still make mistakes i still i still fall short of your glory but i'm so thankful for your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness i thank you for the life that you give us as believers and, and now we don't have to live that lie that that other life is a better life lord Yours is a life that you give without regrets, a life of joy and peace. Yes, we have hardships, but we have joy and we have peace for the journey. Thank you, Lord, for your love for us today. We give you the praise, we give you the honor, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.